just let that play. No, you know, we could just let the whole... I, I told Wes Euler uh, here before we started the show, that I said, Wes, I want nothing but Guns N' Roses teases all night long. All night long. All night long. Wes will come through for us. He jumps in there with a little sweet child of mine. He's going to have to come up with six new tunes, six or four, five more different tunes. I we think we can find uh, right. five or six I more. Yeah, I think we can handle that. Uh, but this is the Training Camp Report. I am Dale Lolly. Uh, of course, you just heard Matt Williamson as well. And we got Mike Pursuta here. Uh, as as we watch the uh, the Penguins trying to keep themselves Slogging alive here, yeah, yeah, keep themselves alive in this series here against the uh, Montreal Canadiens. And uh, Mike, how are you? You know, pretty typical uh, Friday in August for me, Dale. I'm watching a Stanley <laughs> Cup playoff game, and I'm talking about a Steeler camp that I'm not. You haven't seen so, yet, you know, yeah. You haven't seen a single same snap. Old, same old, same old. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, from the from from home, you're not even yeah talking, <laughs> doing the radio shows. You sit there at home watching the pens in the playoffs. This is this is the new normal. Uh, anyways, uh, Mike, uh, of course, uh, uh, of the DVE Morning Show and Steelers Radio Network, uh, as are Matt and myself. And uh, you know, earlier today, Matt and I, of course, do the drive from uh, one to three. Uh, Mike, I wanted to get your thoughts on this list that ESPN put out. I thought it was interesting. They Mike Clay, who I have a lot of respect for at ESPN, um, came out. He ranked all 32 teams, 1 to 32, obviously, in, in every position mm-hmm. uh, across the board, putting no more yes. weight on one position than the other. So it's, they're all weighted evenly. And when we got to the end of this, okay, for example, okay, the Steelers, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these off for you here. Just put, tell put me where if, the Steelers are at in each yeah. one. You know, and and t- tell me if you agree with these rankings. Okay. He has the Steelers quarterback unit as the 11th best in the league. Too high, too low, just right. Ah, oh, boy. So you're assuming I know everybody's back up in third guy. Yeah, we we're don't. we not holding you to it to that degree. I mean, does that seem in the neighborhood, in the ball? Well, here's the, here's the teams that are around them. I can, I can, okay, so right right ahead of them is Green Bay and Atlanta. Right behind them are Detroit and Arizona. I think Ben Roethlisberger's a top-ten quarterback. Yeah. And I think he's ahead of the guy in Atlanta and the guy in Detroit. Okay, they're tucked so right I'm in the say middle that, of that. Okay, that's in the ball. I'm going to say that's too low. Okay, because um, I'm going to base it on you know if I've got Patrick Mahomes, he's I number care one. What yeah. else I have? Yeah, yeah. right. So, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, well, the top ten are Kansas City, Seattle, New Orleans, Baltimore, Houston, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Philadelphia, Green Bay, Atlanta, Pittsburgh. I don't know if I'd put Tom Terrific in the top ten anymore. I don't think our stinks. And their backup situation's a mess. They don't have a backup. Yeah. I think he can still play and be effective and all that, and uh, I certainly respect what he's done. But, uh, yeah, there's too many of those new young uh, mobile guys that uh, are taking over. I didn't think Brady played that well last year. I mean, just flat out. Yeah, I agree. This next one's one we probably had the biggest The running back. Yeah, the running back unit. The Steelers are ranked 31st. In running in total and wow. overall running backs, the teams around them: uh, twenty-seven Tampa Bay, who I think has the, perhaps the worst running backs in the league. If I were ranking them, uh, Detroit at twenty-eight, the Rams at twenty-nine, Miami at thirty, and then at thirty-two is Chicago. Pretty rough on Connor. Well, I guess you know the the national perception of him is probably that he is going to be unavailable at some point. And that's but I'll tell you what yeah. about. I mean, but, but he, was in the, he was in the Pro Bowl two years ago. Yeah, I'm real curious to see what uh, Mr. Benny Snell does in year two. You seem optimistic I, I about him, just chatting with you all week. That I, 
I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you think he. Oh, no, no, very much so. Well, the reason I am, uh, I, mean, I kind of liked what I saw and the word I got from the organization at the end of last year was uh, Benny Snell and Deontay Johnson on the offensive side really intrigued the staff by yeah. how they handled their rookie years and the way they performed. My take on him early on, like when I saw him this time of year for the first time, I thought, you know, he's okay. But one thing that stood out to me with Snell in the in the camp was he noticeably got much better on special teams, which shows something about the person and wanting to get on the field and the team aspect of it. But I also thought he got noticeably better in protection. And, and again, they're the little things, but that gets you on the field and endears you to coaching staffs. Yeah, I can't. Can't uh, argue either one of those points, and I thought you know there were some games where they really needed him, and he came through for them. Yeah. Uh, the the Charger game, the bell, yeah. and yeah, what was the other one, Dale, where he got the, the vast majority of the carries? Uh, late in the season against Cincinnati, I believe uh, he he handled the load. Um, there were, I mean, the whole second half there were a bunch. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, Connor wasn't mm-hmm. available. Uh, I think he only played six quarters in uh, in the in the last uh, eight games. Had twenty four carries, so. Uh, not a lot. And that's of work. why, yeah, we were we were talking earlier this week, and I was just kind of throwing it out there. Um, not that I would expect this to happen, but if if Connor ended up as the third down guy, that Chargers game, Connor was really good catching the ball, and Snell was really good running it, and yeah. they kind of shared it because Connor got hurt, and there was still a lot of time left, and uh, that was an effective duo. I'm I'm interested to see how they use those two guys. Uh, you know, I, I think they're both going to get a lot of touches, and uh, that is a position that I think can surprise for the Steelers. If, if you're talking about your list, Dale, or ESPN's well, list, can't go any lower. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, barely. barely. I, I, I don't. I think probably a lot of people are looking at the running position as, eh, it's okay at best. But uh, that one, that one may overachieve in a lot of people's eyes this year. Okay, let's move on to the wide receivers. They were ranked 14th, uh, right ahead of them, Seattle and Buffalo. Right behind them, the Rams and Broncos. Their wide receiving core is another position that is more potential than production as it stands right now. But uh, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a big year. Uh, I think Deontay Johnson is going to build on what he did a year ago. And, uh, boy, uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys think of what we've heard this week. I I think they are going to really try to get Chase Claypool involved. Sure looks like it, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what 6'4", 4.41 can do for you. What's yeah. your James Washington take? I don't know if I've heard you t- bring him up yet this week. Uh, I mean, I think he's a quality player. I don't know that he's ever going to be a massive difference maker, but if he's in the mix as your number three, your number four in that neighborhood, I think you're in real good shape. Yeah, I think he's number four in this group. Uh, now, he won't start that way. I'm, I'm assuming they'll make Claypool earn whatever playing time he gets, but uh, I think he's okay. And uh, he, he uh, Dale, I know you've chronicled uh, the strong second half he had a year ago. Uh, I still can't get that play against the Jets out of my mind when he had the game-winning touchdown in his hands. And I know the, I know the safety got his hand in there, but he had hands on both sides of the ball. It was a wide receiver on a safety matchup. It's exactly what you want at that time. And the game's in the balance, and the guy with the farmer strength and the great hands and Mr. 50-50 ball didn't come down with it. I will say and, he did uh, do that against the Browns, though, in the, in the game at yeah, Heinz Field. Uh, you know, being yanked to the ground and still found a way to catch the football. So he is capable of those kind of things. Um, I'm not ready to give up on him. I, I like him. I like his his 
no-nonsense demeanor. Um, I, I think he can be, as Matt said, a valuable guy. Um, and, and he's the kind of guy as well that, you know, if he's not – if he's let's say he's getting 25 snaps a game, not going to complain about it like some other wide receivers would. Probably true. No, I would agree. And I that has some value. That. Yeah. And also, if you're the number four – you know, what's the odds of numbers one through three being available every week? Every week, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, 14 in, in that for the uh, Steelers. Real quick, though, I sent receivers. you this a while back, too. I mean, they led the league in four wide receiver sets yeah. in 2018. You know, I mean, last year you got to throw out what they did in terms of scheme and whatnot. But it wouldn't blow me away to see those four and Connor out there, you know, 4% of the time, 5% of the time, something which like is, that. Yeah, which it's is something talking, different, you know, right? Who has four corners that can run with those guys? The tight end unit. Uh, the Steelers come in at 18th, uh, which considering as poorly as the tight end uh, played last year, uh, obviously they're, they're giving Eric Ebron some uh, some love there. Uh, 16 is the Bears, 17 Seattle, 19 Miami, 20 the Jets. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think the tight end position, uh, I'm looking at Eric Ebron as an X factor because uh, – He's done some really good things in the league, and he also keeps bouncing around the league, and I can't get my head around that yet. Why Why is a guy with the, some of the statistics that he's put up continually changing teams? Um, well, this is only his third team. Detroit drafted, yeah, it's only, Detroit, it's only his seventh year in the league. Yeah, but Detroit drafted him. Um, in the first round, right? They drafted him in the first round. He was never going to be Gronkowski. Yeah, you usually resign those guys, don't you? It's Detroit. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, if you're picking, uh, you know, if you're looking at, they let Jeff Hardings go, you know? I mean, they they yeah. may, they make mistake after mistake in Detroit. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think he can be a valuable guy. I'm not ready to, 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 to write him and put him in the Hall of Fame or anything like that. But um, I, I certainly think they have maybe their best pass-catching duo at the tight end position Um I think Probably there's some in, in five or six years. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think there's some inconsistency to Ebron's game. Yeah, um, but I think him and McDonald are good complements stylistically to one another too. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I'd buy that. And Vance is another guy who's been dinged up a little bit over the years. Uh, hopefully, he's available. And uh, I think I think McDonald is becoming a capable blocker. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess Ebron's going to catch the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. But that's not a double, bad double tight end set. You know, no, no they're, they're there, both dangerous, yeah. You can split Ebron out wide or, you know. Offensive line unit. Uh, the Steelers come in at 11. Uh, right ahead of them are New England and San Francisco. Right behind them, the Raiders and Chiefs. Now, are, is this factoring in uh, the opt-outs? This is factoring, uh, yeah. This in... just came out today, so they're factoring oh, in. Okay, so that, that comes into play. Yeah. I think the Steelers' offensive line will be better. Uh, I think uh, Matt Filer's going to be better inside, and I think he was good at right tackle. Yeah, I do as well. But uh, assuming they are correct that uh, either Chooks for or Zach Banner are uh, capable of handling that right tackle position, then I really like moving Filer inside. And, uh, boy, you got a great backup in Wisniewski. And, and that guy's going to play some. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so that, as well. That, I mean, that's just uh, what we see. Um, somebody's going to miss a little bit of time um, if they're lucky. If it's if they're lucky, it's just a little bit of time. Um, but they have depth uh, that a lot of teams just don't have. Uh, but I think 11 is fair. I do too. And 
I hate to say it in this light because he's had a great career, and I know you have a relationship with him, Dale, but I think there's some addition by subtraction with getting Foster out of the lineup at that stage, too. You know, that he was clearly slipped, their weakest yeah. guy. You he, know? Had, he had slipped. There's no doubt about it. Um, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, interior defensive line units. The Steelers come in at number two. Number one is Philadelphia. Number three is the Rams. Number four is the Ravens. We're San Francisco. San Francisco is all the way down at 16. Yeah, after getting rid of Buckner. Oh, that's, that's still too that's, low. We that's too low. I know they, I trade, agree. Yeah, they I, I traded think the guy, but that's yeah. He was a first-round pick on Kinlaw, too, you know. That is way low. Right? No, uh, I, I boy, you certainly agree with that, but Steelers at two, is that, uh, does that work for you? Well, you know, we keep talking about guys if, if they stay on the field, and now we're talking about Stephon Tewitt in that regard. Boy, yeah. he was just – we was... haven't seen him much lately, but when we've seen him, he's been an absolute beast out there. I mean, uh, with him and Cam Hayward, yeah, more please. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm that's uh, you know, the, that's yeah. the, the, the Mongol horde coming over the wall. You know, that's uh... – <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Lua Lua is your third guy. Yeah. So, I mean, you know he can – Started you know, a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, capable, right. Stuck in, doesn't get you beat. He can yeah. play the system. You got a hundred uh, starts in the league. You can do something. You know, you're you're not a you're not a bum. I mean, and I got to tell you, you know, traveling with the team on the road, Dan McCullers looks just intimidating coming off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good at that, from what I understand. But right. even you know, the addition of Chris Wormley, uh, this is a guy that Maybe played an interior guy. He played fifty yeah. percent of the snaps last year for the Ravens, and the Ravens had a, a, a solid defense. So you they know, did, they did, but the the line was the problem. And I'm curious, not discounting Wormley, but I know they went out and signed Kalei Campbell, but Baltimore had a deficiency at that position and chose to trade Wormley. So I'm wondering what they think of him. Probably that they can win without him, I'm guessing. Yeah. I, I think they, they also that, thought they had Brockers I, locked up at that they point. They thought they had Brockers signed, yeah, who's, a, is, who's a tremendous player. And I think they looked at it and said, well, hey, you know, if we keep him and somebody signs him next year, we probably get a you know a fifth or sixth round uh, comp- compensatory pick. We can get that now. Let's just get rid of, you know, let's trade him. We need the cap space. Uh, so I think that was part of it. Edge rusher units. Real quick, on a Steeler yeah. note, I don't have a problem with the Eagles-Hargrave-Cox combination at number one. I mean, I, I know he couldn't yeah. been kept, but I think Hargrave is an exceptional, yeah, exceptional I mean, player. We both yeah. love we both love Fletcher-Cox uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. I, Hargrave is uh, he's really going to be a rising star in this league, I think. Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, edge rusher unit, the Steelers come in at five. The team's ranked ahead what? of them. Five. What? San Francisco. San Francisco's strong. The Chargers. The Chargers are strong. I would have the Chargers at one. Yeah. Uh, the, this is the one that we Matt and I had the problem with. The Browns at number three. Yeah. No, no, no. Based off of one player because you can't – nobody's looking at Olivier Vernon and saying he is he is anywhere near. If, you, if, you're, reach, if you're drafting – the Steelers' edge rushers against the Browns' edge rushers. Watt and Garrett are a conversation, depending on what you want. I'm to taking do Watt them. before I'm taking Garrett, and I'm taking Dupree. Third. And I'm taking De- I'm taking Dupree, Dupree third over there. over yeah. certainly over Olivier Vernon um, by a wide margin. Yeah, the Saints come in at four, and the Steelers at five. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it works out. I, Steelers have been. Sacking the quarterback a lot the last couple of years, <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. They do a pretty yeah, good the job. Outside linebackers and, and and the D lines had a lot to do with that too. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, five seems a little low to me. And Cleveland doesn't belong there. There's teams like the Bears yeah. and Denver that I think have a pretty strong group, but I would put the Steelers right up against the Niners. I mean, I'm not sure that Bud's noticeably worse than D Ford. 
I'll say this. Uh, I don't think the Steelers at five is as insulting as the, the 49ers D-line at 16 or whatever you said <laughs> it was. True enough. Yeah, True they, enough. They may have a bigger, yeah. bigger beef than the Steelers. Um, Off-the-ball linebacker units, the Steelers come in at 15. That's obviously that's that's Vince Williams and that's Devin Bush uh, right in the middle of the pack. That's one that they could certainly improve upon this year if Bush turns into what they think he is. Uh, but the teams around them, Atlanta and Tennessee ahead of them, San Francisco and the Chargers right behind them. Yeah, it's all Devin Bush, right? And yeah. uh, he's got to be the guy. Uh, again, I thought he was really good last year for the circumstances, being a rookie and all that. And uh, they protected him a little bit in terms of limiting his snaps a little bit. But, uh, yeah, spread your wings and fly Devin Bush. Yeah, and, Real quick, uh, do, you, put do, you, on a sh- do you see him as a five, six-time Pro Bowler, or do you see him as a really good above-average starter? No, I would say the Pro Bowler thing. Me too, me too. Yeah, I could see him making all pro. I could see him making all pro someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots. Of, he's going to rack up the tackles and he's going to take the ball away, which is uh, yep. certainly a good way to do that. Uh, we're going to take a break before we get to the cornerbacks and safeties, and then the overall. And this is what I really wanted to talk to you about, Mike, is the overall rankings. So we will get to that. He is Mike Persuda. That's Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and Mike Persuda. Uh, the uh, Montreal Canadiens just scored the yeah. uh, go-ahead goal with about uh, four minutes left. There's now uh, just a few minutes left, perhaps, in the Penguins' shortened season here. Uh, we're getting back to uh, the Steelers' talk, and we're up to the cornerback rankings here for the uh, what uh, Mike Clay did on ESPN.com. And, Mike, he has the Steelers cornerback unit as the seventh best in the NFL. Does that sound about right to you? Sounds very reasonable to me. I don't, I don't think it's star-studded, but I think it's really solid. solid. And, really and they deep. get some depth, which, I mean, yes. again, if, if we'd have talked about this three or four years ago and somebody said the the, the Steelers cornerbacks will be ranked seventh in the league, somebody we would have been told there's, no, there's just no way. There's no way that's going to happen. I would have – I would have said, is it a six-team league? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, but they have fixed it. They have fixed they it. They fixed like, it, yeah. Uh, the, the two starters, I think, are, are, are solid guys. Joe Hayden's not at all pro anymore, but uh, he's certainly good, uh, very good. Uh, solid is a good word. We'll, re- we'll repeat that. Uh, I think Mike Hilton does enough that I think he's valuable. Yes. Uh, and uh, Cam Sutton, I think, is a guy who's going to be heard from. He started to get himself a little bit of a role in the dime last year, and I think he's a pretty good player. And you still have Justin Lane waiting in the wings. Uh, unfortunately, he landed on the uh, reserve COVID-19 list at the start of COVID camp here. But uh, uh, Justin Lane's a guy who uh, they really liked. Even got an unsolicited uh, shout-out from Mike Tomlin in the offseason. Uh, because of the good work he did on special teams. And, you yeah, know, by yeah. the end of the year, 
he was getting a hat at the end of the year, and Artie Burns wasn't. Am I remembering that correctly? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah I, I I like the the depth that they have at that group. Uh, some of it signed from outside the organization, but some of it drafted as well. And you know that that's one thing that they've had some issues doing. But they've spent a couple of third round draft picks now on the position in Sutton and Lane, and they've uh, obviously got uh, got getting some value there. Uh, the Mike, that, since you've been covering them, though, is this one of the maybe the best corner unit? Well, I covered Rod Woodson, so right. Yeah, I mean, that carries a that carries a lot of weight. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, even it's, that's kind of like that, me or you uh, on the it's, opposite it's, side. It's Rob right. Woodson and DJ Johnson, or it's Rob Woodson and, yeah. and Willie Whoever Williams. Else, right. I mean, uh, yeah, Willie that's Williams like the one year to, the, had like seven seven interceptions the one year. Now he got targeted. That, I'm sure got that because he was playing opposite Rob Woodson, but he picked off seven passes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. well, when we talked about quarterbacks for Kansas City, we said it's Patrick Mahomes and who cares who else. <laughs> right, right. When you, got, when you got Ron, I'll take Ron Woodson and then, you know, find me four guys off the street and roll the safety <laughs> the other direction. Right. The teams ahead of them, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Ravens, Dolphins, Saints, Lions, and then the Steelers. I think the Lions might, that's a bit of a projection uh, with the CUDA this year. Um, you could make the argument that the Steelers should be ahead of them. Uh, but that's, that's the only that's one I had a complaint it. with. That's yeah. about it. Safety position. This one's a little interesting. Um, the Steelers come in at 11. Hmm. I think that's a little high, boys. Do you think it's high? There's a lot of yeah. good young safeties in the league right now. And there's three or four teams that have two. I mean, I think the Steelers kind of have one and a half real good safeties. I know they got one real good safety. Well, here's for, for argument's sake here. The teams ahead of them, the Ravens at 8, the Titans at 9, the 49ers at 10, uh, the teams right after them, the Lions at 12, the Patriots at 13, the Colts at 14. I think when you look at it in that regard, um, not a lot of star power. That's probably there. about where they where they belong because when I look down, the, the Chargers, who have Derwin James, who I think is you know in the certainly in the argument for the top safety in the league, they're at 18. Well, that's too low. No, I think, that, I think that's so one as well. I had a problem yeah, with. Yeah, I, right. think, I think so as well. Uh, you know, so. I think I'd take the Steeler guys over the Raven guys, though. Yeah, I think at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Minka's much better than Earl at this point. Not that Earl's bad. Right. I mean, I'd take Clark probably over Edmonds, but it's a conversation. It's, yeah, it's a conversation. Yeah. Right. It's a conversation. That brings Matt, us you gave to... Terrell Edmonds a half? Is that the... Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about that guys, you know what I mean, that have, you know, yeah. obvious... You know, I think the, I think Steeler Nation's a little hard on him, to be honest with you. If he'd have got picked ten picks later, and you get that out of a second rounder, everyone's happy. Um, his ball skills worry me, but I wish he was a little. But they didn't, and everyone's not. I He's mean, a solid. Yeah, right, I get, it, I get it. Solid tackler. Up, and there goes the. And there's the empty netter. netter. Right. Yeah. And there goes the pen. That brings us to the overall rankings. Now, what what Clay did here was add up where you finished in everything. And they, that meant that's where you finished overall. But quarterback didn't have any more weight. Than, yeah, quarterback didn't know, carry any more weight than your or, offensive you know, line right. or whatever, your safety play. The Steelers finished fourth. The teams ahead of them, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers. The teams right behind them, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Colts. The 49ers were eighth on that list. In terms of position, you're – Overall aggregate. Ross, this is the aggregate yeah. of when you add up where their where their positions were ranked uh, across the league. Weighing the Steelers, them all equally. Weighing them all equally, the, the Steelers finished fourth. Well, this sounds like a project that maybe didn't need to be done. 
or put you on the spot on. Well, here's yeah. what I'm looking at, you know, going into where we are now. I, I think the Steelers are the third best team in the AFC. I agree. I think there's a, I think there's a gap between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Right. Then I think it's the Steelers, and I think the Colts are breathing down the Steelers' necks. I can't disagree uh, on with the other. That. Yeah. On the other side, eh, I'm, I'm not a huge Dallas guy. I like the Saints. Um, I like that uh, the Saints. Saints are, I think the Saints and good. Niners stand alone, like there's a case. Niners are good. I'm not a big fan of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd put Pittsburgh, you know, no worse than five or six. Yeah, I think I think when you when you look at some like for example the Ravens receivers, I think were thirty first. They have some groups, some position groups that ranked really low, right? Uh, which kind of hurt them. Um, you know, the Steelers, their, their edge rushers were really low. They were in like Baltimore's. They right. were like twenty five or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that hurt them in the overall standings. Uh, whereas the Steelers were pretty consistently, other than the running back position, at, at least in the in the mid to, mid to high teens. And that's what I took away from this exercise, Mike. Is I don't see real problem positions like I my biggest qualm with where the Steelers stuff was ranked is I don't think Connor and company are the 31st best running back group I don't see the running back room as a a huge hole and a massive liability that said we did think they needed to draft a running back in the second round right no we did but they did address it and added something you know and it's also not the best worst position to be questionable at you know you can find the Snells of the world but I think the roster top to bottom like I often look at the Saints and say, where's their where's their holes? And so they came in one, and I think the Steelers are kind of in that mold. You know that they're they're pretty good everywhere. And yeah, I, I, I really look at it too, depth, right? Yeah, they're they're they are they are pretty good everywhere, but we don't know about the depth at a number of the positions, and uh, I think that's their biggest concern because as we saw last year, uh, you know one quarter you have uh an all pro or a franchise caliber guy and the next quarter you do not i think the thing that's worth noting here too is i think if you look at those top eight to ten teams the saints the cowboys the buccaneers the steelers the ravens the chiefs the colts 49ers seahawks and eagles your super bowl winners probably coming out of that group somewhere probably one of those teams Mm -hmm. and then after that i think it tails off pretty pretty steeply yeah, I mean, I think the Steelers are in the contending group and would be a tier. They need two some. Team. They need some good fortune. They need. Yeah. To, they need to ha- to stay healthy and have other teams. You know, ha- have some guys go by the wayside. Uh, but this is remember as well. This is after the opt outs and everything else. This has been adjusted. So mm-hmm. some of those teams, for example, you look at where the uh, the Patriots are at on this list. They're twenty fourth. Their roster's not good. Twenty fourth. I mean, that's that's in contention for a top five pick. Mm-hmm. In the draft, I mean, just in terms you know. of what they have, position by position, doesn't mean they're going to win four games, but, right? You know, it, and again, I think Matt brought up a valid point with this that it doesn't take into account the weight of the quarterbacks. Sure, like I think if you're if you're ranking, if you're looking at, you're going to say, okay, the Ravens and, and Chiefs are better than the Steelers because of the quarterback. Their quarterbacks are the top two quarterbacks sure, in sure. the league, so that carries more weight. Lamar or the, the but Ravens if you're just being... looking at the the rosters. The Steelers are just as talented overall. Yes. I mean, like the fact that the Ravens get hurt really bad because they have the 30th ranked receivers isn't the same as having the third best quarterback. Or the 30th best quarterback. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that that hurts right, right, right. much worse. We're averaging these things yeah. out, that should be weighted, obviously. And it's not. But it, I think it still gives you a, a good 
feel of what the entire roster's like, you know, in terms of quality. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. There's teams like the Jets that have yeah, nothing. It did turn into an interesting discussion. Uh, of course, the other <laughs> the other part of that is, you know, this is hard to do in a normal year. And, uh, you know, what are we, what are, what is going to happen next? We Who's don't know what's going to happen next week, let yeah. alone three weeks from yeah, now, or five I mean, the, weeks from the, now. The volatility of who's available and who is not is going to be ramped up to the uh, you know nth degree this year, and uh, so that that'll be fun to keep track of. Oh my goodness, yes, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how we're able to keep track of that as well. <laughs> you got to think though that there will be fewer traditional injuries, just less time, fewer games. I mean, how many ankles are going to get you know messed up in practice or broken bones? Yeah, we're not going to see the preseason injuries for right, sure that right. we typically see. Uh, I mean, but, between now and opening day. Yeah, 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 between now and then. But uh, certainly something worth uh, keeping an eye on, as Mike said. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear from one Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, he nice. spoke earlier this week. Uh, of course, Mike and I took part in that call. And so we're going to play that back uh, when the quarterback speaks. Uh, you, you listen, and certainly I thought he had a lot of uh, interesting stuff to say. So we'll get to that right after this here on the Training Camp Report. Show should go. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah, is the way a show should go. Um, <laughs> good anyways, leading. Uh, a, we, good leading goes a long way. Oh, it goes segment. a long, long way. Right. Uh, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F one hundred and fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as I mentioned, uh, Ben Roethlisberger talked earlier this week. Uh, the first time that he had spoken uh, in the regular media, he had, of course uh, spoke to Mike Pursuta, our our, uh, our co-host here. Uh, in the DV morning show earlier this year. I guess I could call you guys regular media. Can I not, Mike? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but uh, I'll take it right now. I'm not here, Mike. Oh, he's there. No. Check, check, check. Yeah, All right, there. there he is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, he had also spoken I was spoke just thinking about how that, uh, that regular media term that you applied to the morning show. I, <laughs> I'm not insulted by it, but I'm not sure it's accurate either. So <laughs> just let it lay there. All right, well. Let's uh, let's hear what Ben Roethlisberger had to say. Lots of good stuff here to get to, and maybe we'll have a little time at the end here to talk about it. But let's here's what he had to say. Well, Will, I'll tell you, um, it's uh, I'm gonna start with. I'm very nervous, by the way. I'm not sure why, but it's uh, <laughs> I haven't spoke to you guys in so long, so forgive me if I uh, if I take a minute to think about some of my answers. But um, you know, specifically going back, I've, I've had a little bit of an injury in that elbow for for quite a few years, but just something I've kind of dealt with. Um, never serious enough to do anything with, but, um, uh, you know, specifically on that, the, the, the drive in, in Seattle, um, you know, just kind of that, that pain wasn't really going away. And I threw one deep one to Juju down the right side. And I just really felt, um, a, a different pain and different dis discomfort than I've ever felt. And it was kind of shooting down my arm. And so, um, I knew something was different uh, at that moment. Okay. 
next question, we're going to go to Ed Bouchette from The Athletic. Ed, go ahead. All right, we'll circle back uh, to Ed. Next up is Dale Lawley from DK. Dale, go ahead. Be done. Okay, we'll keep going. Jerry Dulac from the Post Gazette. Jerry, go ahead. Hey guys, I'm here. I it, there was a lag there on the. Uh, on the question. This is Dale. Go ahead, Dale. Okay. Hey, uh, Ben, uh, sorry about that. But um, was there any doubt in your mind whatsoever after that happened, going through the rehab and, and doing everything that you were not going to come back or you were going to come back this year? I mean, were you, were you pretty driven during that whole period? Yeah, I was. Um, you know, I, I knew it hurt and I knew I had some options, but um, I just didn't feel like I was done playing football. You know, I really felt that I wanted to come back. I was excited about this team. And and I just I just didn't feel like I was done. I don't feel like I'm done playing football yet. So um, if it was a thought, it wasn't a long one uh, to really stop. Thanks, Ben. All right, Devin. Okay, Jerry Dulac, you on here? Just to make sure, Jerry, go ahead. Yeah, I am, Bert. Um, <clears throat> hey, Ben, how you doing? Um, did where where is your arm uh, uh, relative to say August fourth this time last year, and what do you expect your training camp schedule to be? Hey Jerry, I thought we were going to get a golf question, but I guess I'll take football from you. Oh, that's nice. um, <laughs> you know, uh, my my arm feels really really good. We threw a lot of balls yesterday, and um, you know, kind of waking up today to to see how it was going to feel, and it feels great, and, and that's kind of what I anticipated because we've been working more than usual in an off season in terms of throwing. Um, I've, I've, I've put together really a regimen of, of two to three days a week of throwing uh, for the last probably kind of two months, if, if not longer than that too. So um, I think the plan is still to kind of um, really kind of pitch count, if you will, through training camp. Um, I worked really hard yesterday in terms of a lot of throws. Um, I'll throw um, maybe try and try about half that, that amount today and then tomorrow I'll just really back off again uh, and just kind of to see how it's going to feel. Obviously, this is a little different training camp because you're not really doing one-on-ones and you're not doing seven-on-seven -seven right now. So right now we're just building up and, and working on timing with receivers, tight ends, running backs, things like that. So um, I, I have had no setbacks. It feels, it feels really, really good. And so I, I'm really excited about that. Okay, next question is Brooke Pryor from ESPN.com. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Ben, thanks for doing this. Um, in some of the recent photos and videos we've seen of you just over the last couple months, you look like you're pretty trim and, and close to being in playing shape. Do you feel like you're at your playing weight? And what was that process like just from, you know, maybe where you were late last year? I know in the past you've cut out sugar and carbs and things mm -hmm. like that. What was that process like, and is it any harder to get in playing shape at, at 38 years old? 
Well, I Brooke, I think the, the knowing that I am a little bit older, it is, uh, it's important to make sure that you're in shape. And so I've had a whole, basically, usually it's just an off season of, of training. And even at that, I don't start right away because your body's usually worn out from the season and things like that. So I usually start um, the, the, the training process later. And so having no football last year, I actually trained all during the season and then my, I didn't really have an off season. So um, I'm actually lighter than I've been since, you know, probably 13 years, 14 years. Um, and so just, I, I feel really good. I feel, I feel strong. I feel healthy. I feel young. If you, if you can feel young at this age. So I'm just really excited about the season and, and, and the, the group of guys that we have here. All right. Next question is for Mike Pursuta from WDBE. Mike, go ahead. How's it going, Ben? Hey, Mike. Wish you luck on that thinking about your answers thing. Hope that works out for you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, assuming you guys become the team you want to be, you've got the reigning champs in Kansas City on your side, pinball offense. Baltimore's the reigning division champ, pinball offense. Can you can you guys keep up with that theory, theoretically? I hope so. Um, you know, we've uh, we have to do whatever we, we have to do to win football games. You know, that that's that's kind of the, the most important thing. You know, it's throwing the ball if we have to. It's running the ball if we have to. It's misdirection stuff. I mean, we, we brought Coach Canada in to, to help with some of that stuff. And I think Coach Ike is going to help in, in, in a lot of areas and, and really kind of giving Coach Randy a lot of ideas and thoughts and help. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I'm, I'm just excited about where this this offense could go. Um, you know, and, and I, I mean it when I – and truly mean it when I say – we have to do whatever we have to do to win football games. Um, obviously, as a quarterback, you know, you want to throw the ball. It's, it's just natural. But uh, at this point in my career, especially um, with the group we have, it it really can't be about anything other than winning football games and, and doing that however we have to. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Okay, next question comes from Missy Matthews from Steelers Media Productions. Missy, go ahead. Hey, Ben, thanks uh, for taking some time today. Um, you mentioned Ike Hilliard, and we had a chance to talk to him yesterday, and he basically said, you know, a wide receivers coach can never have enough time with a quarterback. Being that your relationship probably started virtually, now you're getting to see him in person. How do you kind of build that relationship so he knows what you're looking for, and also being that he has a very young room? You know, it. Um, he does have a young room. But the great thing about Coach Ike is that he's got experience, you know, both coaching and playing. And so uh, the best way for me to get to know him and to kind of get on the same page with him is just communicate. Um, we try and spend time talking um, both on the field yesterday a little bit, um, as well as in the meeting rooms and walking in between meetings and things like that. Just sometimes it's just little things. Today, I, I, jo I joked with him and asked what his rookie year was like 97 or that's what I say, 89 or something, you know, just just little things like that, just trying to have fun with with him and, and each other and joking. And, and then um, him asking me kind of if I cared about the rotation of the receivers in. And, and I asked him, you know, what his thought was on the rotation, just literally just communicating and talking. And, and I, I trust him that he's going to get those guys um, as ready to go as, as anybody could because, um, you know, he wants them to be great uh, as much as anybody. Okay, next one is from Joe Rutter from the Tribune Review. Joe, go ahead. Hey, Ben, how you doing? Can everybody hear me this time? Yes, sir. 
Okay. Hey, can you detail exactly what they did to your elbow? What surgery they performed? And have you known of any other quarterback that has gone through this exact time type of procedure? Well, I'm, I'm not a doctor and I did not stay at the Holiday Inn Express last night. So I will do my best. Um, I don't, there's no real um, name for it. You know, it's not Tommy John's or anything like that. Um, there's, you know, flexor tendons that are attached to your elbow. Uh, five of them, and I tore three of them um, off the bone. And so they just they go in and they sew through the tendon and they reattach it to an anchor um, in your elbow. So um, as far as I am aware, I think it ha it's happened to um, just kind of everyday people on the street, if you will. Um, from, from what I've been told, it's never happened to a quarterback to this magnitude. Um, I believe um, – I can't think of it right now. I believe there was at least another quarterback that had at least one, maybe two torn off, but, but from what I understand, not three. So, but that's just, like I said, that's just what I've been told if I remember correctly. Thank you. Okay. Next question. Mark Caboli from the athletic Mark, go ahead. Hey Ben, how you doing? Hey, Mark. hey, I'm sure, as you mentioned before, part of your um, motivation of coming back to win a championship, but how important is it for you to show that you can come back from a season-ending injury for the first time in your career? And uh, how important is it for you to go out on your own choosing rather than that last image of you holding your elbow uh, walking off? Is that, is that important for you? You know, Mark, I think any – um, athlete, any competitor will tell you they want to go out on their own terms, right? Uh, and it doesn't happen um, all the time. We don't always get lucky, whether that's trades, cuts, injuries, whatever that is. And so um, I think if I had felt that I was closer to the end, I, I, it might have been more of a decision for me to, you know, think longer about coming back or not. But I, I just, I didn't feel that I was, that I'm close to that yet. Uh, I'm not saying I've got 10 years left in me, but uh, I, I definitely feel like I've got some really good years left in me. So um, that was definitely a motivating factor um, was coming back and showing that that I still have it in the tank. I still have a lot to give this team. I still have a lot to give the fans um, and I still want to win Lombardi's. And I say that with a plural on the end. All right. Next question is from Aditi Kinkabala from NFL Network. Aditi, go ahead. Hi, Aditi. Uh, so, Ben, sorry about that, but um, as somebody who may be older than you, yes, you can indeed feel young at 38. <laughs> um, if you'll ignore the, the uncooperative people. It just sounds like I'm at home. That's okay. Awesome. That, that's my goal here. So you're not nervous, right? No. Um, GM Kevin Colbert multiple times then said to us in the last year that he expects you to be better. He expects you to be healthier than you perhaps have been in the last few years. And after watching from the sidelines for a whole season, he expects you to actually have a new perspective. Do you think that Kevin is fair in both of those assessments? And the second part of it, in what way was watching from the sideline sort of helpful? I mean, what, after this many years of playing the game, could you really actually learn anything new in watching? Well, I can, I can learn that I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> I want to be out there. But, um, you know, I, I do think that I can, can be better um, than I've been in the past. Um, you know, not dealing with a nagging elbow is, is, is definitely something. I'm not saying that it was every day that it bothered me, but um, to feel healthy, to feel um, 
more in shape, things like that. Um, obviously, you can't turn back father time and make myself feel like I'm 21 and run all over the field. But uh, I think you can go on the field even at an older age and, and still feel really good. And I feel that way right now. Um, I feel mentally sharp, and even through Zoom meetings, as crazy as that sounds. Um, I think I was more involved um, also with Coach Randy and stuff last year. You know, when you talk about from the sideline, having the headset on, hearing the communication from the coaches, hearing communication from players. Um, you know, when you're playing, when you're on the field, when you come off to the sideline, you only have so much time really to communicate with receivers, running backs, linemen, things like that. And then look at the pictures and, and, and all the things that go into in between series. Last year, I was actually able to, to watch more because I could watch kind of the, the, the big picture, if you will. And then I was able to speak to more guys on the sideline and talk to them and communicate um, kind of what I, what I saw, what did they see. Um, so I think it, it, it was beneficial. Um, I think it, it kind of goes back in a, in a crazy way to when my junior year of high school when I played wide receiver and the, the coach was always like, oh, it benefited you as a, as a senior to play quarterback from playing wide receiver your junior year. And I never understood it at the time, but I think it, it does to a certain extent because you can see the other side of it. And so I was able to kind of see the bigger picture of just being a quarterback from being on the sideline last year. A few more questions here before we uh, let Ben go. Next up is uh, Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Ben. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, Jeff. Um, just curious, how, how have you gone about trying to build a relationship with Eric Ebron and what could he and a healthy Vance McDonald mean to this offense? Well, I think that, um, having both those guys as playmakers on the field at the same time can create some matchup problems for a defense. Um, you know, we did it a few years back when we had Heath Miller and Matt Spath on the field. Um, you know, you kind of can dictate what the defense does or gives you in terms of personnel. If they want to match up. Um, then you can throw the ball. If they want to put smaller personnel to stop the pass, then you can run. You should be able to run the ball. So um, having two kind of dynamic weapons like that um, can still give you a lot in the run game. I think people sometimes get this perception that, okay, you've got two kind of skilled receivers. Um, you're going to use them just to pass. But um, I've spent some time with – I know Vance obviously very well and, and spending time with Eric the last um, kind of few months – knowing from both of them that they they don't want to be lumped into the bubble of just being receiving tight ends like they want to do whatever it takes to block to put their nose in the pile to run the ball things like that and I think that's encouraging because you know you know that they've got a skill set and that's passing especially Ebron catching passes but he wants to help this team however he can so I think we can utilize those guys on multiple fronts in, in terms of helping this offense and it's how Eric and I have gotten a kind of relationship just communicating. He stayed um, at my house earlier in the off season when we were throwing. And, and so we got to spend some time just sitting and talking and, and learning about each other. And um, he's excited to be here and, and I'm excited to have him here. And, and the other guys are excited to have him here too. All right. Thanks. Two more questions. All right, thanks. Uh, Jim Wexel from 247 Sports. Jim, go ahead. Hi, Ben. Hey, Jim. Hey, uh, hey uh, you uh, guys have an elite defense. You have a veteran all-pro line. You have playmakers all over the place, a quarterback. Yet your long shots at like 24 to 1, I saw. Is that like the ideal circumstance, all of that put together? Well, as you were naming things, I was going to say we just need a quarterback now. But, uh, you know, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's fun. Um, 
I know a lot of guys like being on top and being hunted. Um, sometimes it's fun to, to be the underdog and to be overlooked. Uh, you're right. We, we do have a great defense, and I'm excited about that group. And that, that was one of the big reasons I was excited about coming back was to, to play with a group like that. They let you play more free as a quarterback. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited about that part of it. And obviously my linemen and all the skill guys we have. So um, it's okay. We, we can be overlooked. It's the off season and um, no one knows what this season is going to kind of hold or entail. So, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out there and, and just give it everything we have and try and win a football game. Okay. The last question, Ed Bouchette, Ed, are you on? Ed. Going once. Ed, hit the unmute button. It's a little microphone with the, the like thing through it. Someone help Ed. <laughs> All right. We will go ahead with the last one coming from Albie Oxenreiter with WPXI. Albie, go ahead. I'll be. I'll be. Hey, Ben. Oh. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? You know what? I was trying to help out Ed there, so, so sorry for the delay. <laughs> All right. No problem. <laughs> Happy to fill in. Um, hey, Ben, are you uh, at all concerned about the lack of preseason games? Uh, for the team, but but more specifically for you, coming off an injury and and uh, your first taste of game action will be the real stuff. You know, I bet you'd never think you'd hear a 17-year vet say that he misses preseason a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I actually kind of was um, excited for it a little bit to get out there. I, you know, I don't know if Coach T would have let me play, but I would ask him because I, I wanted to get in there and and kind of get the feel of it again. Um, so. It's definitely going to be different. I mean, knowing that the first time you're out there, it's on the line and guys are counting on you. So a lot more added pressure. Uh, I'm going to have pressure on myself, obviously, but uh, I don't want to let the guys down. So uh, I'll do everything I can to to make sure that that I'm playing my best or, or at least just not hurting the team when the time comes, not having that extra preseason and stuff. That was Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger earlier this week with the Assembled Media. Mike, uh, you were part of that as well. Lots of good stuff there, and uh, he was very upbeat. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Good way to uh, end my portion of the week anyway, hearing that again, because uh, we had talked a lot about that the day that it happened, and I think that gave people a real feel for uh, the, you know, the vibe that Ben Roethlisberger is exuding right now. Absolutely. Uh, but we got to take a break. We got to let Mike go. Uh, you are listening to the training camp report here on Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Ali. Uh, as I said, we're letting Mike pursue to go. And we, Matt Williamson and myself will return right after this.
And we are back here on the Steelers Training Camp Report. Of course, uh, our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. Uh, PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the official radio show of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Certainly. Cer- certainly the official radio station of the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> that, that is for sure. The GNR hits keep coming, too. The GNR hits keep coming. Um, Matt, um, it's been a, a fun week. It has been. You know, yeah, we've had a lot of talk, a lot of discussions. We've talked to the labs. We've talked to Mike quite a bit. Heard from a lot of Steeler players and coach. And um, you know, there's not a lot of action, but there's action. You know, I mean, it, it's something. It's, we're getting up. closer and closer to football. Uh, by the end of next week, the Steelers and all NFL teams will be in shells and helmets. Yeah, right, right. Uh, then the it's follow- not that far away. The this following week, week they'll, right. be, uh, they'll be ramping up and being in pads. So right. we're, we're moving closer to football. Yeah, and unfortunately we'll hear some bad news between now and then and, you know, some injuries and stuff like that. Or, you know, we just heard that uh, Darius Geis was yeah. released just a couple minutes ago. Darius Geis arrested for a uh, domestic violence charge. Uh, it had to be somebody he knew. Uh, you said mm, it was, you okay. said it was a, 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 he tried to strangle That's what the clip guy. I saw, but I'm not exactly positive. And yeah. they quickly released him. Quickly so released, yeah. The, the, the Washington football good. team wasted no time in doing that. And, you know, it, given the, the gravity of that situation, mm-hmm. um, again, that's, that's you know, that's attempted murder. Right, right. I mean, yeah. If you put your hands around somebody's neck and start squeezing, you're trying to kill them. And, and just from a football <laughs> perspective, I mean, he's a really talented kid. Him and Barkley are pretty much the same age, and for much of their college careers, they were kind of neck One, and yeah. neck of, yeah. like, these are the best Which one's better? Which in, one's in better? college, yeah. right? And nothing's gone right for that guy since he's been drafted. Yeah. Even on draft day, he fell. Yeah, a bunch of injuries. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. uh, for the Washington football team. They're going to get essentially nothing out of the guy. But <laughs> Has there been any good news out of that building in two months? Not quite some time, <laughs> right. yeah, other than, I guess, Alex Smith. Yeah, Getting good for him. Yeah, I hope good he, for Alex Smith. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but uh, before you start uh, filling my Twitter timeline with uh, should the Steelers sign Darius Geis, uh, that no. would be a hard no. No, no, no. Yeah, that would be a hard no, even though, as Mike Clay said, they have the 31st-ranked running back room in the NFL. <laughs> Which we don't agree with, of course. But um, I wouldn't really even be in the market for another back as we stand right now. They've got they, enough they there. I, I, I like the, the signing that they made uh, uh, Wendell Smallwood last, right. last week of Wendell Smallwood. I think he's a – Legitimate NFL running back. I mean, right. they've got now several on their on their uh, their roster. Uh, Jalen Samuel still on the COVID list. Yeah, he is. Huh? And you know, when when the Washington Steelers came off today, yeah, w- uh, D- James Washington comes off of that list. Um, but when the Steelers signed Wendell Smallwood, I looked at that as a direct shot across the bow of Jalen Samuels. Pure receiving. I'm not pure receiving back. He can do more than that, but. That's the point. Third like, down yeah, back, right? A third down type back who can carry the load a little bit if your if your starter goes down. Kickoff return skills, yeah, uh, a little more proven. I think he's got a little more juice and electricity make you miss than uh, Jalen does. Jalen's got a a rare skill set in that most backs with his size and weight don't, don't catch, catch the, the ball as yeah. well as him. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. But you still got to. Make people miss and create yardage, and you know they probably bring more to the table than He's, just that. I was surprised. I actually looked this up a few weeks ago. What his his combine numbers were, and he actually ran a four five at the combine. Did he? Did he? Yeah, so okay. I mean, that's faster than what I thought it, it would. He doesn't be. play that way. But he doesn't play be, that yeah. to that speed. Um, I was kind of encouraged. I trust Mike's opinion a lot, and he likes Ben. Frankly, likes Benny Snell more than I do, and. The more you talk to him, I can see that point of view. You know, you and I talk so often together. 
I think we fall into the same thoughts at times, you know, and you bring somebody else in and you think, okay, maybe I should take a step back and, and look at what he did as a rookie, that he may be a, a very competent, you know, every well, again, guy, I, I every think if, carrier. you know, I think he's a guy and this is a skill set mm-hmm. who can take the ball 20 times. Right. Not every back can do that. No, absolutely. I mean, Kamara can't do that. I right. mean, like, I mean yeah. there's good, great players that can't do that. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, you're being talented. And I think he's a guy who gets, when he gets into those situations, gets stronger as the game goes on. I think he's a grinder, right. uh, the, but there's no top-end speed. That's the thing that, that's that, true. that's the most troubling. Now, I did see pictures of him when he showed up uh, at, at the Steelers' facility at, at Heinz Field, and he looks like he's trimmed down a little bit. See, that's interesting, too, is... My complaint with Snell is the compliment you just gave him. You know, he's in every day, or he can handle a big workload, but I don't want to give him a big workload because he's not quite good enough for that. I mean, yeah, if I'm going to give a guy 20 carries, he better be an above average player. You know, right, I mean, I want yeah. the ball going in top players' hands. But I've also had a lot of questions this offseason. Do you think the Steelers, and of course they use Lev Bell as the, as the parallel, which it worked. Why not try it again? Right, yeah. Trim him down a little bit, gets a little quicker, maybe he's a little sharper cutting, you know, lighter on his feet. I, don't, I think that could do him some good. I actually think, and, and they didn't use him a lot in this regard last year, but I remember commenting when we were watching him at OTAs last year in, in, mini, in uh, mini camps, and he was catching the ball in some drills, and I'm like, he catches the ball well enough. Well enough, yeah, yeah. better than you think. I mean, I saw him make some adjustments uh, you know, while running to, to catch mm-hmm. balls behind him and things of that nature that – Okay, he can he can be a weapon there. Maybe he's that's not he's not going to be Levy on Bell. Sure, but he can catch the football. Agreed. And you know, I, I kind of already did it with him. I wrote the book too early. I mean, you forget these guys are allowed to get better. You yes. know, and yeah. his rookie year. The and, thing is with running backs, though, because of that position, like do it quick. And, and I can remember back. Uh, you know, there were some people who thought Levy on Bell was a bust after his first year. Yeah, he had a low yards per carry. Right. It was yeah. like yeah, it was like three point eight or something, 3.7, yeah. and, you know, had some injury issues. Mm-hmm. And, well, he just doesn't look special. And, and That changed after his second year. Oh, of During course. his second of year, course. people kind of saw. And, again, we don't expect Snell to be Bell, but that doesn't mean you can't get better. And he got better in camp. Um, you mentioned how, you know, you watched him as a rookie saying, he catches the ball pretty well, you know. Right. That's kind of how I thought of Connor at that same age. Like, okay, he's fine at it. And yeah. then the more I've watched Connor – he catches the ball very well now. He makes contorted catches. He makes tough catches over his head. And I then mean, makes guys miss. He doesn't just run people over in the, in the open field. He makes guys miss. Right. He uh, does. For, he'll he make does. that first guy miss, and it's usually a smaller I mean, he's know, obviously gotten back. better in yeah. the passing games since coming to the league, too. And why can't Snell? Yeah, I, I think that's a valid point. And so we'll see what Benny Snell looks like. Of course, we won't get – I would imagine he and Anthony McFarlane would have gotten a lot of work It's been fun to watch those two in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and see them get – Three or four series in a row, yeah, you know, right, and and utilize them with Rudolph. Where they're there. both getting right. ten to twelve carries, and you know, yep. and, and see what happens in that situation. But again, sometimes that would be good for a back. Sometimes in those training, in those uh, preseason games as well, you're running behind a less than confident offensive oh, line. Absolutely, so but that, it is that factors tough. into it. You know, like if you go to the Senior Bowl, it's hard to evaluate backs in practice. You know, and the Steelers are going to have a little bit of a tough chore there not being able to get any of their ball carriers live reps i mean they know who connor is obviously but it'd be better for us really more so than the steelers right i mean it'd be fun to us for watching like you said yeah um but i do think uh that there is some promise in that room i mean i I think i think anthony mcfarland 
Um, I like the pick. I do too. I, you know, the, the, it adds an element of speed, and he's not the, the, the tiny back that people think that he is. Yeah, I get I, I, a lot of people thinking he's at best a zero way. Um, maybe that's not the best example of a. A lot of the comparisons are Dree Archer and guys right, like that. Right, he's I mean, way big. He's thirty pounds close. heavier than right. those guys. I mean, he's even more every down backish than an Ekelar or you know, I mean some or a Duke Johnson or you know I mean I don't think he's in that neighborhood. I think he's uh, a well-built, sturdy, highly recruited kid. You know. Yeah, he was uh, you know one of the top running back recruits in the country mm-hmm. when he came out. Um, so there's some pedigree there, and uh, you know he chose Maryland because he wanted to stay at home. Yeah, uh, <laughs> had a thousand yard season two years ago. Had some injury issues last year. Uh, but again, you run for a thousand yards at Maryland, including a 250-plus yard game against Ohio State, mm-hmm. uh, which has pros all over the the field. Right. You got some. You got some talent. And obviously, the Steelers are very doubted at that school. Know about him. Probably will tell you if you gave him true serum. Yeah, he had bad ankles all year and was fighting through it. And we know when he's at his best that he's a much more explosive player, uh, cuts better, those type of things than the ankles allowed. I'm curious what he does. I mean, I, I, it wouldn't blow me away if he was their number one back in 2021. No, it wouldn't blow me away either. Right. Uh, or at least in a timeshare mm-hmm. with that. I could see a, you know, a, a, a thunder and lightning kind of thing. With Maybe. Something like that. And it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see as well. I mean, not only is Connor going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, that entire 2017 draft group, I mean, there are a bunch of guys – who are, oh, you're talking about the running back class. That running back country, class, yeah. who right. uh, you know, they were all um, other than McCaffrey and and uh, um, uh, the, the non-first round picks. The non-first round right. picks. There were two. Two of them were first round picks. It was it was McCaffrey. I'm to think who the other one was. McCaffrey in Jacksonville. Uh, oh, Fournette. Right. Fournette. Those Absolutely. were the two first round picks. They didn't pick up Fournette. He's gonna become a free agent yeah, anyways. They he's gonna pick be a free his agent up. anyways because they didn't pick up his option. Derrick Henry got extended. He but wasn't the first round pick. There's a bunch of guys out of that draft that are going to be available. Oh, I mean, yeah. Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack and Alvin Kamara and Tariq Cohen and Connor. And, I mean, it goes on and it's on a, and on. It's right. a good group. So, I just wonder what kind – I mean, I, I think that's a motivating factor for Connor. Obviously, he's, he's, got, he's got some pride there as well that he wants Joe to – Joe Mixon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I keep thinking of him, right. Yeah. yeah it was a great class. Um, you know, he wants to show that he, that he's healthy, that he can be the, the every down back that yeah. he saw, you know, showed he could be two years ago. And if he hits the open market, he's got a lot of guys to compete against. Right. You know, that's for, the, that's right. So, it's a tough you know, position not, as it is. It's not outside the realm of possibilities that he could be back next year. You know, maybe he doesn't get the offers that he thinks he's going to get. I mean, it's right. I, it's it's going to be a buyer's market for sure. Yeah, I didn't want to imply that he's definitely gone or anything right. like that. Um, who's to say? But it's going to be a wild running back market really after is. this year. Right. really is. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from the first of uh, two new assistant coaches on the Steelers staff. Uh, We're going to play back both of those interviews, uh, that being Ike Hilliard and Matt Canada. We're going to hear from those guys right after this. Oh, yeah. Good way. 
Good stuff wow. there. Of course, uh, Axl Rose uh, channeling his inner Paul McCartney. Uh, <laughs> they Matt, can cover we, a tune well. Yeah, we had some uh, great interviews this week uh, on the show. We and, did. And, of course, uh, with the media, uh, with uh, Steeler coaches, Steelers players, one of the best ones of the week was with new Steelers wide receivers coach Ike Hilliard. Of course, these uh, Steeler training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Ike Hilliard is now the official wide receivers coach of your Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Here's what Ike Ike had to say when we spoke to him earlier this week. Steelers have never really had a receivers coach as accomplished as you are on the field so my question is, did you think that helped with you with your interview? And how does being a former player who's been there, done that in this league, uh, go with helping the younger wide receivers and teaching them? Uh, regarding the interview process, um, I think you'd be better off, uh, you know, asking the head coach how, you know, he saw it. I, I would hope uh, that to some degree being fortunate enough to play 12 years uh, would help me uh, in terms of uh, how I communicate what I communicate, uh, how I can detail uh, what I need to detail for each player or collectively for the group uh, in terms of the nuances of the position. So uh, for me, uh, I think I'd have to go back uh, uh, to my first job interview and uh, the late Tony Sperano told me that, you know, uh, playing years are like dog years to coaches and, and it's a little bit different uh, in, in terms of uh, communicating with the players, how you deal with the players, how the players deal with you, uh, the things that you see on the move uh, uh, regarding playing the game and, and things of that nature. So, you know, really harness that, you know, to, to the fullest uh, capability and, and try to exude that every time you teach. Uh, so hopefully it helps. Uh, I, I think um, I've been unfortunately blessed, uh, unbelievably blessed, I should say, not unfortunately. Uh, unbelievably blessed uh, up until this point to uh, still be around the game and looking forward to continuing to lean on that that experience uh, as I continue to teach. Thanks, Mike. Great. Brooke Pryor, ESPN. Hey, Ike. Thanks for doing this. Um, kind of going off Mark's question, the Steelers have a really young receiving core. What's your connection been with them so far? And, and what things have you noticed specifically in guys like Deontay Johnson and Juju um, that they need to do to kind of, in Juju's case, return to his his form a couple years ago and Deontay to make that second year jump that the Steelers like to see out of a lot of their wide receivers? Well, I think every year as a coach, you want to see continuous growth, you know, out of every player. But it's no different here. Uh, yes, on paper, uh, it's a considerably young group, uh, but I've, I've been around young groups before. I've coached young players before. I've been blessed that way. Uh, this group is a little younger than uh, the group I had in Buffalo. We had Stevie Johnson uh, and, you know, newly drafted Robert Woods, and newly drafted Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Chris Hogan, after he'd been cut three times. Um, you know, guys like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to, uh, you know, dealing with younger players and, and trying to help them with their journey. Uh, as far as, you know, each of those guys are concerned that a year, uh, you know, Juju, uh, you know, hopefully he's going to bounce back this year from, you know, from his injuries uh, from last year. And he looks great. Uh, he's worked incredibly hard. Uh, so we're looking forward to, to having Juju for a healthy 16 plus. 
uh, Deontay needs to continue to grow and detail his work and mature and, and things of that nature. And I can go down the list from, you know, from those two guys to Ryan Switzer to Chase Claypool, and, you know, all the guys in the room. I think uh, everyone will be pleased if, if uh, you know, if I can get the most out of these players and, and uh, uh, everyone involved, including you guys, including everybody in the building, can see continuous growth on a weekly basis. Great, Paulo, Post-Gazette. Oh, sleep, no? Okay. All right. Hi, Ike, how are you? Outstanding, how about yourself? I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, just following up on Brooks' question, um, a young room, but it is fairly accomplished. Um, some of those guys have, have done some things in this league, and then you add on two veteran um, accomplished tight ends that are going to get targets, too. How do you keep all those guys content and happy in their roles, you know, uh, as you juggle their egos and, and you know, that sort of thing. Uh, winning is the, the cure-all. Uh, I think everybody's heard that before. Uh, you win football games, everyone is happy. Um, I, I've, I've really never been concerned with, with egos and uh, attitudes and personalities. Uh, that comes with the territory. Um, I think when guys understand uh, what the ultimate goal is, we won't have those issues and, and it starts day one uh we have a you know a, well i personally think a hall of fame quarterback you know coming back this year healthy and uh, he's going to lead this team he's going to get the ball where it's supposed to go and it's our job to make the play when the ball's in the air and uh, we won't have to worry about uh, any of that other stuff going forward and Bouchette, the athletic Hello, Ike. Sorry for the delay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with with such a young group, uh, is there is a leader emerging like Juju, and is that important to have one? Well, it starts with me. You know, in the room with with how uh, I deliver the message. You know, by way of the head coach and offensive coordinator, uh, it's my job to help these uh, these young men uh, prepare the way that they're supposed to prepare. I have to teach them how to be pros and. Uh, you know, that's no disrespect to anyone that's been here before me, but that's, uh, you know, what I've been asked to do and I intend to do that. So I'm going to uh, lead by example, uh, lead them through the way I teach, how I prepare, how I prepare them, uh, what we do every day from a fundamental standpoint, how we see the big picture uh, on a snap-by-snap -snap basis. Uh, but those leaders usually emerge uh, uh, throughout competition, uh, throughout daily work, and, um, you know, that'll at some point uh, take care of itself outside of me. Mike Prezuda, DVE. How's it going, Ike? Outstanding. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you have a good track record with rookies in particular in your coaching career. Uh, McLaren last year was the latest example. How much of what has worked coaching up rookies previously is unavailable to you this year because of these circumstances and how do you intend to work around what you can't do? Every year is the same for me. I'm not going to make any excuses. Uh, we're going to get these guys ready to play. Um, these kids are extremely talented and uh, it's just our job just to get the most out of them. Uh, we're not going to make any excuses about uh, how much you know time we missed in the offseason on the grass or any of those things we've worked. Uh, virtually, we worked hard 
Uh, we have to now uh, make sure that when we do get real snaps, you know, we maximize those um, and, and we get the most out of those players on, on a snap-by-snap -snap basis. It's going to be no different this year. These, these young men are going to be productive and, and we're all going to be proud of what, you know, the product that we put on the field. Jim Wetzel, Thank you. 7 Sports. Hi, Ike. Hey, uh, what, uh, I'm good. What do you bring as a coach that's unique uh, to the wide receiver position? <clears throat> I think for me, um, I lean a lot on my uh, in-helmet experience. Um, uh, so there's a certain feel and in, in, in timing and spacing uh, portion of receiver play. And sometimes that you know, that I guess, uh, it, you know, it's really not uh, not talked about uh, a lot. And I think it's important for young players to know that outside of the progression on a quarterback, that the, the spacing and timing uh, and the rhythm of his play is just as important uh, as their individual uh, talent level in regards to how they get open depending on coverage uh, and before they make a play. And I think uh, helping them understand that uh, on a snap-by-snap -snap basis and how they fit within every concept, uh, how their role uh, evolves uh, during the course of a, a game um, uh, based on a game plan and understanding the big picture and what we're trying to accomplish. I think a lot of that um, is what uh, I hopefully uh, and, and confidently uh, will bring to the table uh, to help these young men be successful. Joe Rudder, Trig. We can't hear you, Joe. Okay, we got you muted right now. Try to unmute one more time. Is that better? Yeah, gotcha. no, I can hear you. Okay. Um, when, when you got into coaching, was there anybody who coached you coming up through in the NFL that you kind of used and patterned some things off of and and, and shaped you? Uh, well, uh, I think year seven of my playing career, um, I was really convinced that I wanted to get into coaching. I've been fortunate enough to uh, transition right after playing, and I've been coaching you know, ever since. Uh, but to answer your question, I think <clears throat> for me, having the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, and unfortunately we lost, but understanding uh, the few years that I had with Sean Payton as an offensive coordinator and understanding uh, the chess match, you know, within the game of football and the detail that was involved there uh, to help us make that run and, and have a few of those special teams uh, for the Giants uh, quite a few years ago and um, running into a uh, situation where I was coached by Mel Jackson and uh, coached by Richard Mann, um, you know, and being around, you know, John and Jay Gruden, and I think the method for their madness uh, really helped me uh, mold, you know, my my mental per se uh, to prepare for for coaching, and uh, it's just been great for me to be able to share, uh, you know, successes and failures and in helmet, you know, perspective and and. Uh, you know, all of the stories that go along with the great game that I love and respect. So uh, that's, that's kind of how it happened for me. That was Steelers' new wide receiver coach, Ike Hilliard, uh, obviously a 12-year veteran in the NFL. He's got some uh, 
experience there that he can yeah. lean on when he's talking to these uh, young receivers. I also and, like that he's a younger man, too, and played semi-recently. You yeah. Know, really um, these guys. You know, we did ask Deontay Johnson later in the week if he remembered anything of Ike Hilliard playing. He did not. He yeah, it makes me little, feel a little old. Maybe he's yeah. not quite as young as I thought. <laughs> but, I remember him playing. Right. But certainly, I mean, at some point he can, you know, maybe throw some tape up there. This is this is me playing in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He did that. Um, I mean, it's not hard to Google him and see he was an early pick. And, yeah, yeah right. over 500 yeah. catches. He has more catches than the entire Steelers receiving group. As a whole, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. so Hopefully that doesn't hold up much longer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, they they were 14th in those rankings we talked about earlier today. Uh, I think that's a group that could. I think arrow's going up. I think they could potentially break into the top 10 at the end yeah. of this year, especially with the youth. Yeah, you know I mean, I think the arrow's pointing up. Yeah, for sure. But uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Matt Canada. That'll be here on the uh, training camp report right after this. Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we just heard a couple of minutes ago, Matt, from a new Steelers wide receiver coach, Ike Hilliard. Uh, one of the guys he's going to be working closely with will be new uh, quarterback coach, Matt Canada. Yeah, and I love the hire. I mean, I think they it's a little overdue to bring that wrinkle here. And he has a great track record of being innovative and using motion and play action, all the things I've been whining about for the last couple of years. So bring him back and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how that, how much of that they incorporate. Uh, I do think that there's going to be some, uh, you're not going to see them running the pit offense though. From <laughs> no, no, nothing true. like that. They still got Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think they yeah. lit the, the, the whole playbook on fire and said, Matt, just draw it just up. Just draw it up right. for us and we'll, we'll do what you say. No, right. that's, that's not how it works, but there will be some wrinkle, wrinkles you know, right. here and there that, that uh, will be used. And Deontay Johnson kind of let the cat out of the bag of that as did Ben Roethlisberger, as we heard in the previous segment that they're going to do some of that stuff. So yeah, I think yeah. that's in the cards and it's, yeah. it's overdue in my opinion. And again, that's another good th- thing with no preseason. You're not going to show any of that. No, they won't. They'll just be practicing. Yeah, and, right. Absolutely. So good it's going to be going to be interesting. But uh, here's what Matt Canada had to say earlier this week. All right, we'll come back around to to Jerry. We'll go to Mark Caboli with the Athletic. Mark, go ahead. Oops, let me take my glasses off. What's up, Matt? Um, my question is. Um, your role as the quarterback coach, how much is it involved with uh, Ben Roethlisberger or how much is it would be involved with more of the, you know, the younger guys with Rudolph and Duck and those guys? Is it is it an even match or are you more worried with the younger guys? Obviously, Ben's got 17, this is the 17th camp coming in, so he's certainly got a lot of experience. I'm going to do whatever, whatever I can do to help assist him, whatever he might need me to do. But, but obviously, the younger guys are – a different they don't have as much helmet time and, and playing experience so working with with everybody but there's certainly a difference I, I i respect to see your see what your question's saying and and there's a difference there his history with randy been with randy a long time and i'm just kind of coming in to facilitate um what i can in any way with, with him but then also with the with the younger guys thanks all right thanks mark we'll go to brooke Pryor with espn go ahead brooke Hey, Matt, thanks for doing this. Um, talking about the younger guys, from what you've seen of Mason Rudolph on film and, and the amount that you've been able to work with him so far, even you know just limited and in the virtual offseason, what kind of things are you seeing from him that can help him take a step forward this season, even if you know he's not the starting quarterback again with Ben back? What, what kind of areas have you identified that he can improve to you know maybe take over as the starter in the future? 
obviously experience is, is huge and everybody doesn't get that. So certainly for, for last year, that wasn't what was scripted or what was planned, but he was able to get that experience and he's learned a lot from it. We have had a lot of film time to study what went on last year, what we could maybe do better, what we can see, what he did well that we can try to, obviously you want to, you want to magnify strengths and minimize weaknesses. So those things that we did well, we want to keep trying to find those, those plays, those concepts and the things we didn't do as well. We either want to correct and improve, which we're going to do and also minimize how many times we do it. So he's certainly got a great desire to learn. He certainly has a great desire to get better and is excited to, to get back going like we all are today was or yesterday was fun to get everybody back out and get going. So um, I think he's, he's excited and he's improving all the time. Thanks. All right. We'll go to Will Graves with the Associated Press. Will, go ahead. Hey, Matt, you know, uh, when you left Pitt a couple of years ago, you joked about, uh, yeah, I'm going to go retire and open up that beach bar. And I'm sort of curious, you know, um, what interested you in this job and what are the challenges kind of, or actually, actually, let me scratch that one. Um, what interested you in the job, first of all? And second of all, look, you saw Ben, you know, when you were Pitt, you, I'm sure you saw Ben throwing the ball around. What have, have you noticed any difference at all between what you saw three, four years ago versus what you've seen, what you saw yesterday? All right, well, what what interests me, obviously, it's the the great organization of the Pittsburgh Steelers and everything that this place is about. And Coach Tomlin, you know, I was fortunate enough to get that call and a chance to work for him was was something that was really, really exciting to me. I did have a desire last year when I was out. I studied the NFL and had a chance to visit some teams and uh, a chance to come to this level and, and learn more about it was intriguing to me. But obviously, you're always trying to pick the right place, and I was very blessed that this was the place that I got to come and work with uh, the entire staff. As far as your question about Ben, you know, yesterday he was out throwing. We got to watch a little bit there, kind of through the walkthrough. And when I was at Pitt, we would set up and I would watch OTAs and things and was always so impressed with the accuracy of Ben. I mean, I think that's what makes him, you know, the tremendous player that he is or all of his intangibles, but he's just so accurate. And yesterday, um, he looked to, you know, he looked just the same, obviously, you know, it's a question for him and all you guys have talked to him, how he feels and where he's at. Um, he's gauging all those things. Uh, but I certainly thought he looked really good yesterday. And I think that's what sets him apart. Thanks. Thanks, Will. We'll go to Ray Fittipaldo with the PG. Ray, go ahead. Uh, hey, Matt, how are you? Doing great, thanks. Hey, um, play action was really effective for Ben early in his career. Where does that fit in with with your, um, you know, with your playbook in addition to, you know, your utilization of pre-snap motion and, uh, you know, other things that you're known for? Well, obviously, you know, it's kind of a double-edged question, certainly for Ben. I mean, where, where I'm coming in and learning our system and learning what we've done here, and, and, and that's, that's my job to just enhance whatever I can. Obviously, play action is a big part of things we've done in the past, but we're going to certainly focus on what Ben does well, what he's always done well. And uh, however I can assist that, I'll do it. All righty, let's go to Jeff Hathorn with 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Matt, welcome back. Thank you, um, good to be back. Hey, I, Anthony McFarland had a lot of good things to say about you after he was drafted. What can you tell us about what the Steelers are getting in him? Certainly, you know, was really excited when, when that worked out for us because I certainly have strong feelings for Ann as well. I think he's an explosive back, a dynamic back. Um, he can he can take a, a five eight yard gain and make it you know make it a very very big play in a hurry, which he's done and shown you know in his play in college in the time I was with him. So I'm I'm excited to have him around. 
he has been, you know, he's, he's excited, he's learning, he's working, he's doing everything that I hoped that he would be doing. So it's great to be back with him. And I think he's a, an explosive player that will, you know, as we work through this transition of, of, of all the things that have been a challenge, uh, I think he will find his niche and have a role for us. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. We'll go to Mike Prezuda with DBE. Go ahead, Trev. Trev, are you on? Can you hear me now? We can, sir. Go ahead. Uh, we just had Ben on a minute ago, and uh, he talked about how much he was looking forward to hearing your ideas on misdirection. Uh, we all remember what you did at Pitt. How long have you been the master of misdirection? And uh, what do you find appealing about it? Well, I don't think I'm the master of much of anything. But um, I, I certainly, you know, different time. Obviously, again, here I'm coming in and joining what we're doing here. But I, I've always enjoyed that part of the game. And and, um, and we were doing it probably starting all the way back in 2009 or so. But certainly at Wisconsin in 2012, we started having some fun with it. So it's been part of what we've done in the past. But again, I'm, I'm coming in here and we're just more focused on, I'm just learning our system and, and getting going what we're doing here. All right, let's move on to Craig McConnell with KBKA. Craig, go ahead. Do we have you, Craig? All right, let's see if we can come back. We'll go to Jim Wexel with 247 Sports. Jim, go ahead. Hi, hi Matt. Hey, Jim. Um, Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch, a big guy, can throw at 100 yards and can run about a 4-4, something like that. What, what has been holding him back? What are you seeing? And, and what do you, what, what do you, what's his potential? I agree. I mean, obviously, he's got a lot of talent. You know, he was a you know, high draft and all those good things. And you never know at different places, you know, timing's everything in life. In the situations you go into, sometimes you, you play in a system that fits you. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes, you know, there's always other circumstances. My time with Paxton has been um, been really, really good. You know, starting through the virtual part in the spring, his desire to learn. I think he has a great grasp of our offense right now. And I think he's excited to, to come in and compete. And uh, he's going about it the right way, uh, trying to learn all the time, trying to get timing with the guys, as, as every quarterback has to do uh, when you come into a new situation, a new organization. So uh, I think it, you know it's a very exciting time to watch and see how he does develop and see where we go. Thank you. All right. We'll go to Brian Backo with Post-Gazette. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, Matt. Um, just what's the back and forth been like so far with uh, you and Randy? I mean, I know Mike Tomlin said uh, a few months ago that you know, you're here to bring some fresh ideas, some schematic ideas. So uh, just what's that process been like, I guess, with, uh, you know, you also trying to learn the system, like you said, but uh, also trying to, to put your own flavor in there if you can, either with Randy or with Mike to this point. Right. It's been great for me with everybody. Obviously, Randy is, is, you know, he's got 14 years experience. Um, I, you know, I knew Randy a little bit when I was at Pitt across the hall there. I came over and visited him a couple of times. So we've had that relationship of knowing each other. And, you know, he's just such a good guy and a good person that we've had no trouble getting along, getting together. And we just like, you know, all spring we talk football. 
you know, until we had to, you know, to take the break and then it was all done virtually, which is still what the same thing. We had the computers and drawing plays, just wasn't on a board. It was on a, you know, it was on a computer and talking. So it's been great with him and our entire staff, but uh, certainly enjoyed getting to know our system and, and he's done a great job, you know, bringing me up to speed with that. So it's, it's really, really good. I really enjoy Randy and the time I've been able to spend with him. Thanks, Matt. All right, let's go to Dale Lolly with DK. Dale, are you on? I'm here. Hey, Matt, um, you, you mentioned that relationship uh, that you had from, from being with Pitt, uh, with the guys across the, across the building and the other side of the building. Um, how much of a relationship did you have with Mike Tomlin, uh, having been at Maryland, uh, you know, doing all the, the you know, with, the, with the, the guys that you had there? Uh, and did that, do you feel like that really helped you kind of solidify getting this job? Um, obviously, I you know, Coach Tom was is so good to to everybody around. He was very good to all of us when I was at Pitt, and, and you know, assisted any way you would see him as we would cross and practice and those things. We didn't have any kind of major conversations then. Um, we we talked a couple of times here and there. I you know, I was always out kind of watching, trying to study, and and um, and I think vice versa. He watched us a little bit here and there. So not much really to go over other than knowing each other. And so I can't, I can't really answer that question as far as how much it had to do with him. Um, certainly hope uh, what I did was something he was intrigued with to come talk. And when, when I was given the chance to come interview with he and Randy, I was certainly really excited about it. And I'm really, really blessed to be here. We, we feel like that this is a great opportunity for us and we're really glad to be back. Thank you. All right, let's move on to Chris Adamski with the trip. Chris, go ahead. Hey, Matt. There we go. Hey, Chris. Uh, just what is, you know, when you've been in, you've been in the college game for, what, a quarter century, I, I think, in, in coaching. This is your first time in the pros. Well, I know it hasn't been a game. It's been an odd offseason. Um, but what are the differences or what do you plan on doing differently, if anything? And is there any awkwardness whenever the main guy you're coaching is a 17-year NFL veteran who, you know, may or may not, <laughs> you know, have anything new to learn or anything to, any tips to take? Yeah, I think that's where, you know, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm letting Ben, you know, Ben does have that. Ben has obviously way more experience than I could ever imagine in the NFL. So I'm listening. We've talked reads, concepts, and those things, how he's done it, what he's done. Um, and I obviously am learning from he and Randy. And there's, if there's anything, another way to see something with he or even more importantly with the younger guys, then I'm just trying to take that and go. I think football, you know, football is football in a sense, but there is a, it is a different game. I did spend, you know, I did have this aspiration last year when I when I was took the year off and, and I did study. I wasn't sure where I was going to go, so I would kind of spend the morning studying college and the afternoon studying the NFL. So, you know, it's it, the game is different. There are certain parts of, that are different that I have, have tried to learn, and I certainly have a long way to go, and that's why I'm excited where I'm at. I'm in a position to learn, able to, you know, to assist Randy in any way I can, to assist the quarterbacks any way I can, and just be part of the group. So... Uh, again, really excited about where I'm at in my role. Thanks, Chris. We'll move on to Tim Benz with the trip. Tim, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Matt. I was curious when you do, if you do, give feedback about concepts and things of that nature. Uh, when you're at Pitt, you had a quarterback in Nate who ran pretty well, maybe underrated in how he can move in your system. Ben doesn't do a lot of that. How much of some of the Jet sweeps and motion ideas are incumbent on a 
quarterback who does move and how can that be effective if you don't have a quarterback that runs with the intent of gaining yards beyond the line of scrimmage all that much? Well, I think, you know, you talk about that. I mean, how much every, every place you're at is different. You know, the system you run is based on your players and what they do well. So we've, in my history, it's really nothing relating to now. We've had quarterbacks who run and you mentioned they, he ran a little bit here and there, but we got with voice had to protect him. So, um, you know, not really a great correlation for me with that coming here. But I mean, I think again, coaching Ben and his style, whatever I have input I have on that, I will be involved in what he does well with Randy and what Ben likes and then incorporating that back. And I think that's more my job is then taking what we do and looking at the other quarterbacks and okay, from this, what do you do well? So when your time comes to play, again, we're focusing and, and majoring in what they do well in our system. So I think that's probably what I'm hoping to bring to the room with, with those things as we go and, and obviously Ben, you know, Ben's strengths are, are awesome or he wouldn't be the player he's been. So we're going to continue to, to do what he does well. That was uh, new Steelers quarterbacks coach, Matt Canada, uh, with the media earlier this week. And uh, well, that's going to do it for that's our a show. Good that's, week, that's, Ben. It's been a great week, uh, you know, doing these training camp reports from 6 to 8. We'll be doing them all again next week as well. But for my partner here, Matt Williamson, for Mike Persuda, who joins us in that first hour, and for Wesley Euler, keeping us here on the air, we appreciate you listening. I'm Dale Lally. This was the Training Camp Report.